you got cooking? How about cooking something up with me? Let's stir it up, boys. Welcome to the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. A weekly excursion into the fine art of preparing the world's most popular recipes under an open sky and an open flame. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the old grill sergeant, Randy Hayes. Welcome to the show that proudly asks the question, What you got cooking? And not out of necessity. Out of curiosity. <laughs> and Lord knows we get the strangest answers sometimes. You know, we don't go to the old email bag often enough. <laughs> and some of these babies are absolute gems. I've got one right here that suggests we try, and I quote, mushroom chicken fried steak. No, I'm not kidding. This person actually had the courage to contact a show titled The Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show and dared to suggest that we substitute mushrooms for round steak to make chicken fried steak. Excuse me while I just rip this up and throw it away. My goodness, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Why? Why would anyone want to mess up a perfectly good, perfect thing like a chicken fried steak by making it out of mushrooms? Not that I have anything against mushrooms. In fact, I had a really good mushroom gravy on top of a chicken fried steak one time. It was out of this world delicious. But to substitute the meat in a chicken fried steak with mushrooms? Why would a person commit such a heinous act against mankind in the first place? And in the second place, why would they compound the error by putting such a thing in writing and then sending it to a radio show titled The Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show? You know, I have this person's name right here at the bottom of this email, but in the interests of avoiding any bloodshed, I'm just going to call him John Doe. I mean, even vegetarians all over the globe are absolutely disgusted by this idea. Yeah, okay. I don't have any proof of that. You're right. But I'll bet they are anyway. Jeez, I just got to let that go move on. Probably never should have brought it up in the first place, right? Yeah, the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show likes to have fun with food, but that don't sound like much fun, does it? No, when we say more food and fun, we don't mistake mushrooms for meat. And I am going to stop talking about this now. Uh, no, I promise. Besides, there are so many other, more interesting things to talk about this week. As a matter of fact, I'd like to tell you a little story about one of our Little League games that I think you'll find adorable and a little funny. My grandson's Little League team is the Astros. So, so his manager, Nick Floyd, sent out an email announcing the name of our team was the Astros. And he ended the email by saying, I'll bring the trash cans. <laughs> Now, that's funny, even if you are an Astros fan, and you know I'm a big Astros fan, but that's not the story. Nick's daughter, Alice, is one of our best players. Yes, his daughter. Little League's not misogynistic. and Besides that, she's really good. You know, like a lot of 9- and 10-year-old girls, she's bigger than the boys. So she throws a screaming fastball, and she hits for power. As a matter of fact, the other teams fear her bat so much that when she walks up to the plate, the opposing managers always yell at the outfielders, Back up! Back up! And with good reason, too, because Alice can tattoo the ball, and she does it on a fairly regular basis. But the thing they really worry about is when she's pitching. She's got a burner of a fastball, and that's where this story begins. Alice was really going well. Her pitch count was astronomical in our game last Monday night. So Nick pulled her and inserted Matthew Crawford, a lefty who pitches well in relief. Meanwhile, my grandson's best friend, Caden Rutledge, was the catcher. And like most catchers, Caden is, well, cagey. Let me just set this up by establishing a very true and inarguable fact about Little League. Pass balls are going to happen. Pitchers at this level are just beginning to learn how to be accurate, and they will all undoubtedly miss the mark on more than one occasion, and catchers haven't really perfected the fine art of blocking the ball very well either, so pass balls are going to happen. 
The sooner coaches and parents accept this one true basic fact, the sooner their blood pressure will go down. (laughs) Anyway, back to the story about KG Caden. Both Alice and Matthew had tossed a couple of pass balls each during the game, and Caden had repeatedly jumped up out of his catcher's crouch to sprint back to the fence and retrieve the ball, you know, trying to keep the base runners from advancing. And no base runner is more important to hold than the one on third base, because obviously, if that runner advances, he, oh, or she, sorry, Alice, if that runner on third advances, then that runner scores, right? Now, I don't have any statistics to back this up, but I would wager to guess that about 20 to 25% of the runs scored at this level of Little League come as a direct result of a runner being on third, a pass ball, and the runner coming home. So, our manager, Nick, and my son, Derek, who's the assistant coach, they've drilled the catchers on the fine art of chasing down that pass ball, and then they've drilled the pitchers on how to run to the plate and cover down, as they say, try to throw out the runner coming home from third base. In point of fact, KG Caden, the catcher, has become pretty good at this skill, and on Monday night, he had thrown out at least two or three runners by the time we came down to near the end of the game. Our team had two outs, but there was a runner on third. So Caden called a timeout, and he strolled out to the mound. (laughs) His dad laughed out loud when Caden even put his catcher's mitt up over his mouth like this, you know, because he didn't want anybody to read his lips. (laughs) Like there'd be a lip reader in a Little League game. While all of us were laughing in the stands, the kids went back to their positions, and the game resumed. The very next pitch was another pass ball, and as expected, the third base coach sent the runner on third home. Matthew was off the mound like a shot out of the twin sisters. Caden quickly scooped up the ball, tossed it deftly to Matthew, and he tagged out the runner before the guy could even try to slide. Our cheering section erupted, and our team got out of a jam. As my son came out of the dugout a few minutes later to take his place as the third base coach, he sauntered over to the fence right in front of us and said, when Caden went out to the mound, he called for the pass ball from Matthew, and the two of them executed the entire play without anybody else even knowing about it, including us coaches. (laughs) That's why he's called KG Caden. Actually, we usually call him by his nickname, Bear, but... KG Caden is starting to grow on me. Yeah, my wife Cindy and I are just overjoyed that we've received both ends of the COVID vaccine so we can go to the games again. Little League is so much fun. Well, let's have some more fun. And food. Actually, more food and fun is the way we normally say it on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. And today we're going to focus on the end of the high holy days of Texas history. We've already discussed the fall of the Alamo and the getaway scrape. That was a couple of weeks ago. But we also wanted to talk about the Goliad Massacre and the Battle of San Jacinto, which we commemorate this next week. And of course, we need to enlist the knowledge and the expertise of our old friend and Texas history buff, Nick Castleberg, to do that. Nick, no, not the Little League manager, Nick, but the Texas history expert, Nick. Nick sees Texas history from the ground up, if you know what I mean. And if you don't know what I mean, think about it this way. Most academics look at Texas history from the top down. They focus on the names at the top, Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston, you know, people like that. The academic view is filtered through the lens of the important names at the top. But Nick sees Texas history through the eyes of the Texians and Tejanos who settled the land, you know, whose names aren't engraved on buildings or statues or schools. They don't have towns and counties named after them. Well, sure, Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston are important figures in Texas history, and we do need to take note of them. But when you hear Nick's take on how the Texas prairie was really tamed by the common folk, it'll give you a whole new perspective on our state's history. I guarantee it. So, today on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show, it's a fresh take on the high holy days of Texas. Well, I'll give you a good example. You know Maribo B. Lamar, right? Lamar University, Lamar, Texas, Lamar County. Maribo B. Lamar so distinguished himself in a skirmish the day before the Battle of San Jacinto that Sam Houston promoted him all the way from private to commander of the cavalry just in time for the battle the next day. 
Wow, that's unbelievable. You know, I'll bet Maribo B. Lamar didn't make his chicken fried steak out of mushrooms. <laughs> Besides, it's chicken fried to begin with. So why bother? You know what I mean? Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? If your barbecue's gone up in smoke and your cooking reputation is at stake, stick around. The Old Grill Sergeant will be right back with more ideas and advice to make your next cookout sizzle. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door. With a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media, and my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run, and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself, and you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like, never, right? Well, at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 Westlake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big-box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Life is simple. Eat, sleep, grill. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Hames. 
We said we'd bring him back, so here he is. He's our go-to Texas history expert, Nick Kesselberg. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, Randy. How you doing, my friend? I am okay, and I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You know, getting old is the price we pay for living a long time. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The high holy days of Texas history are now a little closer. The massacre of Goliad, the commemorative day for that, just passed. And San Jacinto Day is this next week, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But first, we heard you spent some time on the water yesterday. Is that right? Tell us about it. So, yeah, I met my high school buddy and former Navy uh, shipmate down on the dike. Um, got up about 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> made some sandwiches. I've done that before. <laughs> yeah, got all that stuff loaded up. Uh, at that at that point in the morning, you're asking yourself, what am I doing at 3.30 in the morning? Well, I've done that before, but it wasn't to go fishing. It was to go on the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. No, I've done it for many times, but for pleasure, you know, you especially at 55 now, you know, I'm kind of fond of my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You know, a full night's sleep is, is a, is a gift, you know, it is absolutely. Usually got to get up a couple of times through the night. So, um, this three hour cat nap, I guess, basically is what it led up to. But I tell you, you, you know, you drive down there, there's no traffic at that hour of the day, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You get out on the dike. Um, you know, you start bringing your poles up, get your pole holders set and the sun starts to come up. You know, you start seeing that crack of dawn on the horizon. If you're lucky, there's a few little clouds. So as the sun does start to finally peak above the water, you get all the the beautiful colors of the sky. To me, that's as best a church as you could ever possibly find. And I, I think a lot of fishermen and a lot of outdoorsmen, it's not always about, you know, catching the game or, or catching the fish. A lot of it is just being outdoors and, and just taking that quiet moment to kind of put things in perspective and you know you're standing out four and a half miles out in the bay on this man-made rock pier basically that you can fish both sides of it's amazing it's always blown my mind um don't need a boat to go fish 4.5 miles out in texas city which is sweet because boats are expensive yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we've all we've always been surf fishermen anyway so but did you catch anything everybody wants to know if you caught anything you know the black drum have been running crazy this year uh boyd's just finished up uh, a black drum competition i think the winner was 47 and three quarter inch if i remember correctly (laughs) um we caught a couple of 42s and 43s uh, through february march april uh yesterday we got a couple of nice bull reds um, which we turned back, uh, anything over, uh, 28, which is where they technically go from a redfish to a bull red. You need to tag it if you're going to keep it, uh, drum for some reason and speckled trout. A lot of people don't know this. Even avid fishermen that I fish with don't know this, but drum and speckled trout are in two of the top six fish that when they get larger, can have worms, especially down towards the tail section. Really? Um, so if you cook them whole, you know, you, you might be eating some worms. And they're not going to hurt you. It's just once, once you've filleted one and seen them, you're like, yeah, I, I really don't want to eat those. <laughs> um, so on the rare instance that I do keep a red or I do keep a trout, um, I always fillet them out so I can inspect the meat. Uh, when I was younger, we'd just take the trout and throw them straight on the grill on a little foil. Hmm. A little bit of um, Italian dressing and some fresh garlic and onions, and just kind of half half smoke them, half cook them right there on the on the pit, and then pick at them. Yeah, and then just pick at them with a fork. Exactly, pick around the bones. And, yeah. And uh, the, the great thing about cooking fish, you know, obviously with the head on, is when the eyes turn white, the fish is done. Didn't know that. It's almost like a pop up on on your turkeys. You know, when the little pop up heat indicator tells you that the turkey's done. <laughs> yeah. and same with the fish when the eyes turn white. A lot of people can't get past the idea of eating groceries that's staring back at them, and I can I can understand that. We've served a lot of pig over the years, you know, with head on. Um, and you know, you it's there's there's really two camps when it comes to to eating groceries that's that's staring back at you. You either don't have a problem with it at all, or it really freaks you out. So we we, we did a couple of weddings, and obviously when we did a roasted pig. Uh, they they requested that the head be removed prior to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always thought, you know, uh, you know, being of European background, you know, a great big huge pig with a beautiful rosy red apple stuffed in his mouth and a couple of cherries stuffed in his eye sockets looked very regal, you know, because you, 
you see paintings of like King Henry VIII, you know, in, in, in all of their glory and the French, you know, all over um, the Versailles and the palaces with these huge banquets and feasts. And there's always that token roast pig that's got the apple stuck in its mouth. So I always thought for a wedding, I mean, <laughs> you got to have a pig with a mouth <laughs> full of apples, you know. I mean, it indicates wealth. It indicates prosperity. <laughs> and they're like, no, dude. <laughs> I don't want my supper looking back at me, and I don't want my guests having supper looking back at me. But, um, well, so you've cleaned and deboned many a piece of fish. Is that correct? Oh, that would be safe to say. Yes, sir. <laughs> I can recall my father-in-law cleaning freshwater catfish at his fishing camp on the Louisiana side of Lake Toledoban. He had an old sink wedged between two small trees right down near the water's edge. And he would skin the catfish and throw the waste directly into the lake. Yep. I will never forget that. Yeah. How do you do it, Nick? You know, that's typically... if. I mostly catch and release um, nowadays. Um, it's just mostly for fun, but I do, I do like to eat fresh fish, so I will keep a few. I usually will at least clean them there on site uh, and do like to give ops to just throw all the innards and whatnot back in. I usually keep them with the head on again just because um, if they're not a, a worm fish or a fish that can potentially have worms like a sheep's head or a, a sail top cat or a gaff top cat, um, some of the other fish that we catch that no chance of worms. I will cook them whole with the head on. So I usually just split them down the middle, take the guts off. I have found over the years, um, mackerel and shark, things like that. You don't have to scale, but most of your other game fish, they're scaly. I found it's always easier to hold them under the water at the water's edge and scale them underwater. Cool. If you can't do that, do it under running water in your sink. Cause as, as and a spoon works great. Uh, it's one of the best and fastest scalers I've found, like a, a tablespoon-sized metal spoon. Uh -huh. Start at the tail, and you go towards the head. Uh, and if you do it just on a on a sink counter, you know the, the scales go flying everywhere. You know? <laughs> uh, but if you keep it running underwater, uh -huh. the water just washes the scales down the sink. If you don't have an insincorator, you can put one of those, you know, little screen mesh things in in your drain plug. But we typically do it right there at site. Um, and like I said, I don't keep that many anymore. So cleaning is maybe a 15, 20 minute process tops. If, if we're keeping on the other hand, if you're as bad a fisherman as I am, <laughs> this is another good reason to fish on the Texas city dike Boyd's one stop right there at the base of the dike. If, if you come up with an empty stringer, like I do most of the time at the end of the day, you can always just go visit Boyd's fresh seafood market on the way home. And you can claim the fish as your own. Look what I bought. I mean, look what I caught. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Little, little slip of the tongue there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, we, we stopped in there pretty regular, um, on, on the way in, obviously for bait. Um, and they got some great leaders, um, that they sell down there. Some of the best leaders I've ever used. Um, they're fantastic. Um, and we always on the way out, we'll, we'll stop and either get something from the, the cafe there. You know, they usually got a special on the fried shrimps yep. and they're super good. They're like three, four biters as we call them. Yeah. When you got a shrimp that takes three or four bites to get done with, and you got 12 of them, <laughs> that, that's the meal. <laughs> that's, a, that's a meal. <laughs> and, and of course me being kind of partial to being in the kitchen, I frequently go in and pick up five, six pounds of the, uh, nine to 12 count head on, bring them home and, and clean them up and cook them for supper. The live shrimp capital of Texas, Boyd's One Stop. Yes, sir. And it's a great place to stop on your way to the Texas City Dyke, too, because they've got bait and tackle and ice and ice chests and cold drinks and snacks. That's why they call it Boyd's One Stop. That's right. they got everything you need in one stop. And up to and including uh, crawfish, especially right now. Yeah. They got a. Uh, it's crawfish season, my friend. Oh me, oh my, yes. They got a drive-through serving line. We went through the other day. I came down from four point five miles out and picked up five pounds and went back out and we sat out there and picked at them the rest of the afternoon. And yeah, whew, they were good. They were good. Yeah, that's eating. But Nick is a qualified Texas historian, and that's the real reason for his appearance on today's installment of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. So Nick has already said that he's willing to stick around for a second segment today, so we can talk about the massacre at Goliad and the Battle of San Jacinto. Is that right, Nick? Yes, sir. Stay patient. Dinner will be ready right after the smoke alarm goes off. Randy will be right back with more smoke and hot tips for you and your old plane right after this short break. 
Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 Westlake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original All Spas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's, conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant, all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door. With a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Hi friends, Randy Haynes to tell you about Cellular and Satellite. Cellular and Satellite are specialists in wireless data plans for businesses. Because they buy in large quantities, Cellular and Satellite can give you a data plan on the same provider you're using today, but at a lower cost. Cellular and Satellite can also combine the two largest wireless providers into a single data plan. Two carriers with better coverage, but only one invoice to pay. If your workforce is international, Cellular and Satellite offers a global data SIM with fixed pricing in over 200 countries. You'll never have to pay international roaming charges again with Cellular and Satellite. And they can handle all your wireless data needs whether you need 10 or 10,000 data SIMs. So if you're an IT professional, mobility manager, or business owner, save money and increase your network availability by letting Cellular and Satellite simplify your wireless life. Call Cellular and Satellite today, 832-551-1000, or go to CellularAndSatellite.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a complete computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Stand back. We've got our grill on. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Hayes. We're back with our Texas history expert. It's Nick Castleberg. We appreciate your extra time today, pal. My pleasure always. My pleasure always, my friend. As Nick said a moment ago, he formerly worked as the head chef at a living history museum that specialized in teaching people about early Texas history. And Nick is a chef. He's focused on the culinary history of Texas. Let's face it, back in the 1830s, there weren't any H-E-B stores in every town. So most Texians and Tejanos hunted and fished and farmed for their own food. What was their primary cooking method back then? Uh, Predominantly open fire. Um, If you were lucky enough to have a, a, a cabin or some such, you would have two kitchens. You would have the indoor kitchen. 
And then you'd have what we typically call the summer kitchen, which here in Texas is pretty much year round, <laughs> um, except for a couple of weeks when it gets cold. Yeah. Um, but unless it was super cold or super windy, most of the cooking was done outdoors over open fire. Hmm. Um, they typically would have a, a crossbar with S hooks and chains. Uh, you get a good collection of S hooks and chains over a crossbar. It's usually a, a two compartment fire brick layout, almost uh, two U's side by side. So you feed the wood in from the front and then the back brick helps to reflect some of the heat up and acts as kind of a windbreak. And then by adding hooks or extending links of the chain on each, you might have three or four chains set up in sequence. Uh, you could raise and lower your pots. And that was basically your temperature control knobs like we have on our modern kitchen stoves today. So, wow. you know, they've always said the right tool for the right job. I've, I've done cooking over a fire with just a couple of sticks or crossbars of wet wood so it didn't burn and set in a skillet on it. And it works. But the heat control is you either move coals out from underneath it, disturbing your fire, or you have raise and lower the skillet yourself. So it's much more handy having the chains and the Essex. And we, and we know from excavations that we've done uh, all over the early locations here in Texas, especially here in Austin's colony, um, San Felipe's, for instance, there's a lot of Essex and a lot of chains that are found along with remnants of uh, Dutch ovens and cast iron skillets and such. But the early culinary history of Texas is just one aspect of what we wanted to explore today on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. So uh, let's do a deep dive into the last two really important events of the Texas Revolution, the massacre at Goliad and the Battle of San Jacinto. There were actually two battles of Goliad, but it's the second one that inspired the battle cry, uh, Remember Goliad. Uh, that along with remember the Alamo, obviously. Now, I know the answer to this question, but I'm sure you'll tell the tale much better than I do. Why do we remember Goliad? Goliad, um, as I commonly refer to as the Palm Sunday Massacre, yeah, because it was on Palm Sunday, March 27, 1836. Some say over 400 Texans were executed. Um, but the, the tragic story, the, the thing that inspired the call uh, at the battlefield was that Fannin. He was, he was ordered to leave the Presidio, um, I think it was on the 14th, and he delayed until the 19th. So as he's leaving, uh, General Urea, who they weren't really knowing anything about, he'd come up the coast from Mexico, and you had Santa Ana coming down through San Antonio, of course. And um, so they're kind of watching him, and so Fanon thought he had time. Um, he'd been ordered to, to retreat to uh, Victoria. Um, so as they're leaving, um, they get a couple of miles away from Presidio and General Urea catches up with them, surrounds him. Um, there's a battle. Fannin's wounded. Um, realizing that they're severely outnumbered, Fannin calls for parley, goes over and has a chat with General Urea. Um, Fannin had spent three years at West Point. Um, Urea had been a military man for going on 30 years at this point, fighting the Spanish and all of that back in Mexico. He was a seasoned warrior. Um, and the, the two shook hands. Um, and reached an agreement that if Fannin surrendered his troops, they would not be executed, that they would be treated as prisoners of war and eventually returned back to the United States, where most of them had come from. But that didn't happen, right? That did not happen. So as a result, Santa Ana's public image went from cunning to cruel, and that fueled the outrage that drove Sam Houston and his army to win the Texas Revolution at San Jacinto. So give us some insights into how old Sam pulled off one of the greatest military upsets of the 19th century. You know, Sam had been playing leapfrog with Santa Ana, and, and a lot of the early Texas sitting senators, because, you know, we'd, we'd already declared our independence and set up our own government, um, they were getting a little perturbed with him because he wasn't turning and engaging. And he knew at that point that his troops were not ready. And he was hoping for more volunteers to show up. I mean, you're fighting a, a 6,000 plus force that's come up from Mexico. And most of them are battle seasoned Sadaldos from the war with Spain. Wow. Most of the guys that were coming in to, to fight, you know, we had some Texians, of course. And when we say Texians, people that came here under the, the old 300 with Austin's colony. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of, a lot of people forget um, is that most of the guys that were fighting for Texas against Mexico weren't even Texians. They had come from the United States, from places as far away as Georgia. I mean, Phantom was from Georgia, moved to Velasco in 34, I believe it was, 1834. Two years later, he dies. Okay. He, he lived here two years. 
<laughs> wow. Um, and so you had all these folks coming from all over the United States. And there were a number of Tejanos in that group too, right? There were, which, which helped a lot when, you know, anytime you're dealing with an opponent that speaks a different language, it's always handy to have interpreters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get some prisoners, you can, you can interrogate them. Uh, otherwise, you're just kind of standing across the fire eyeballing each other. <laughs> yeah. But the point was that there were many Tejanos who hated Santa Ana as much as the Texians, right? Yeah. I mean, he was a cruel man. He was a cruel man both um, to the Mexican population as as well as the, the Texians. Um, he, was just, he was just not a nice guy. And he was not especially a good military commander either because he put himself in a very vulnerable position at San Jacinto. Yeah. The, the point that he set up um, camp with Peggy's leg right behind him was a, a, a very costly military blunder he he had a large ego he expected that the texans were going to be on the defensive they ne he never ever expected them to attack him <laughs> i mean on, on the afternoon of the 20th when they get there uh he lets his troops go to their tents there, there was a brief exchange of fire when they first show up you know the texans are you know kind of ready for some revenge um but santa Ana, you know they they basically call it off Santa Ana tells all the troops you can go to your tents and sleep because tomorrow when reinforcements arrive we're going to attack and wipe them out and we're going to end this once and for all so old Sam literally caught Santa Ana and the Mexican army napping literally yeah it was it was yeah it was about 4 30 in the afternoon some folks say 3 30 it's kind of disputed somewhere in mid-afternoon about siesta time I mean all the rifles were stacked up you know all the brown buses were stacked in in circles um, the guys were in their tent sleeping, and all of a sudden, here comes this screaming line of, of Texians that are highly motivated, yeah. uh, let's just say. <laughs> uh, and they're screaming, you know, remember Goliad, remember the Alamo. Uh, the battle lasted, the actual battle lasted 18 minutes, but the killing went on until well after sundown. I mean, Houston had ordered a ceasefire and, and a, a cease of hostilities and to take prisoners at the end of the 18 minute battle, but, um, nobody listened. There was, there was a lot of, a lot of angst and a lot of revenge. They had heard what had happened, uh, at Goliad that even Fannin, when he surrendered, when they took all his troops out and executed him, they left him behind, um, with some of the sick and they brought him out into the courtyard, put him in a chair, tied him to the chair. He asked three things. He asked that he be shot in the chest, that they take his personal belongings and give them back to his family and that he be buried. Wow. They shot him in the face. They set him on fire and they tossed him in the mass grave with all of his other troops. And it was left open. And that's why we remember Goliad. That's why we remember Goliad. And meanwhile, Santa Ana tried to sneak away dressed as a lower enlisted man. I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of backfired. Because as, as all of his troops see him, they start hollering out El Presidente, El Presidente, and didn't take old Sam long to figure out, hey, um, this, is, this is Santa Ana here. But Sam Houston afforded Santa Ana the mercy that Santa Ana did not extend to the Texians. Isn't that right? Yes. He allowed him to live. And to go back to Mexico. Yes. A few weeks later, they, they signed the treaties of Velasco, which there's two. There's one that was public and one that was private. And then he was escorted back to, to the border and sent across the border. Now, that doesn't mean the shenanigans stopped. But that's another story for another day, Nick. Yes, sir. That'll give us something to talk about next time. <laughs> that's right. This has been fascinating. As usual, we haven't had enough time. Uh, all the best to you. Keep chunking and winding that rod and reel, okay? Oh, yes, sir. Can't stop. I'm addicted. <laughs> Life is short. Grill while you can. Randy will be right back with more food and fun after this break. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. 
At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media. And my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run, and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself, and you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like, never, right? Well, at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big-box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door, with a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. May the forks be with you. This is the Boyd's Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now here's the guy who turns all the grills on, Randy Hames. Say hello to my old Hudson and Harrigan show partner, Fred Olson. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I sounded like Mr. Red there for a minute, didn't I? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I'm Mr. Fred. Da, 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 da. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, but I don't remember the rest of the words, of course. Do you? That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Red. Alan Young was the, the, the owner. And yeah, that was, wow, another one, another one that was really crazy off the rails nuts i think it was jerry van dyke and my mother the car oh gosh yes i remember that but do you remember who did the voice of mr ed um <laughs> the guy who did tony the tiger i don't know no it was alan rocky lane he was a former Western film star. Oh, okay. The only reason why I know that is because I was working with one of my voiceover students on character voices, and he asked about that. Heck, you should be doing character voice coaching, not me. Well, hell, hook me up, and then we'll, we'll run over some 
stuff. I can, <laughs> I can give them some little tips and pointers and things. So. Well, but we're we're talking about a TV series that most people under the age of forty or fifty have never even heard of. Of course, <laughs> you see what I did there. I, you know, what I've what I found is during the shoulder rehab and even all through the COVID mess we went through, Beverly and I, we find ourselves watching westerns. Wow! Because there's there was like there's nothing new really on the satellite, and the movies are putting out. We were going through and checking them up against uh, IMDb and all these other. Uh, Fandang, not Fandango, but Rotten Tomatoes rating systems. And there's just some real crap out there that they've just, <laughs> that's all they had to put on the satellite. It's all. Yeah. So we'd run through that about 15 times ago. Wait, I just went through <laughs> every stars. Every, and then you'd, you'd hit on an old Western. So, um, and Cheyenne and Laramie and, and you know what's fun about those? What? You look at them and go, wow, there's David Carradine. Yeah. And there's so-and-so. And <laughs> wow, that must have been, no, that must have been like his first movie role. And, and uh, there's Clint Eastwood doing, you know, being a, a, an extra or something. But you know, there's a lot of really good old TV shows on YouTube. For instance, if, if some of you younger people who are listening right now are looking at your radio funny and wondering what the heck these two old geezers are talking about, go to YouTube and do a search for Mr. Ed. Now that was funny TV. Don't you agree, Fred? Well, you know, it was, we're watching what we were watching that we we went back and watched some comedy that was huge in, I don't know. 85 and we looked at it and went you know that was really funny in 1985 but right now not very funny (laughs) 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 so yeah finding really good we watched uh, lonesome dove again and we watched return to lonesome dove which was a great revisit to the larry mcmurtry thing with john voight and ricky schroeder and 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 barbara hershey and some good acting and it was it was a great way to wrap up the whole thing i really enjoyed that and this is how fred learned how to do the hundreds of incredible voice impersonations that uh, fueled the h and h show for decades uh you just watched tv and figured out how to mimic voices isn't that right what i what i really found fascinating when i was a little kid and those of you remember the variety shows like ed sullivan and they'd always have the impressionists come on. And those are my favorite guys. Like, uh, oh, my friend Frank Gorshin was one of the first ones. Rich Little, of course, was the king of it all. He was kind of like the, uh, oh, who's the guy now who does John Madden so well? Uh, uh, Frank Caliendo. Yeah, Caliendo was brilliant. And uh, so I'd, when those guys would come on and, and do their things, I was just really knocked out by, uh, by what they could do. And I thought, wow, that's kind of neat. And I never thought it would be what I would do. But... Um, I just it was it was a fun way to entertain people when you're a kid and people don't expect that from you. And then you made a living off of it. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. So what did you do in the war, Daddy? Well, I was an impressionist. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of guys named Ed, you did a great Ed Sullivan impersonation too, right? Right here on our shooter night. <laughs> Comedy team of Wayne and Schuster, plate spinners from Brussels, Belgium, and of course, for all the kiddos, Tobo Gigio, a little Italian mouse. That's great. I just love that stuff. What were some of the other early celebrities that you mastered, Fred? I remember uh, G- uh, Jimmy Stewart. I, I was uh, I, I was really fond of that one. It wasn't, excuse me, I'm getting really old, Jimmy, there, you know. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> and you know, Fred, I saw Jimmy Stewart on the Johnny Carson show one night, and he didn't do all that stuttering and stammering. That was part of his act. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I was watching Bandolero with Dean Martin the other day. He was a good part for him. See, another Western. <laughs> like I said, I teach voiceover to students literally all over the world. I have an Australian student. I have a British student. I have a Scottish student. I even have one guy in China. Now, he's not Chinese. <laughs> he, he's actually an expat who lives in China. He's married to a Chinese national. So I have a bunch of students all over the world. And creating character voice is one of the things that my students are most interested in. Right. Because they want to do things like animation and video games. Oh, sure. So what's your best advice to my students who want to do that kind of work? Well, uh, get out of yourself. Uh, be a kid. Because a lot of those voices really are so animated, and I don't think unless you're doing some 
you know, voice of God thing, you know, where you're playing like the evil demon. <laughs> um, and those things, they're, they're going to accentuate anyway once they get in the studio and make it a little deeper and a little more echo and things. Just yeah. just be free with it and, and just kind of look at how kids talk. Because a lot of it's like this. Uh-huh. There, you know, there's a lot of animation and, and things going on. And, and it, you could be asked to play an eight-year-old. You could be asked to play an 80-year-old. Uh, just have fun with it. And, and um, gosh, I don't I, since I haven't done a, I, I would, I think I'd love to do some animation. I, I would, I would like to do, I do it for my grandkids. I, I make vignettes and I send them to them. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> things where, um, I just do a space epic and it's about two minutes long and involves them. And, and I send it to them and stuff like that. Put the sound effects of some old star Wars stuff and other things I've got behind it just for grins. So they can look at me and go, wow, he, he can do some different stuff. But I think you would agree, voice impressions of, like, celebrities, that, that's a gift. It, it, it's a gift from God. You can either do it or you can't. That's true. And many people, it, yeah, I learned when I went to an audition when, back when we were working in Dallas, and, and I wasn't very good. Somebody told somebody I was good at, but I wasn't. When I got there, I really was humbled. And, it said, and, and basically, I learned, don't say you can do things you can't. Yeah. And so, and, and, uh, my agent even told me for years, she goes, we'd always send you stuff. And if you could not do it, you would, you'd be honest and say, no, I don't want to embarrass myself or you as an agent and go in and do something I can't do. And, and, uh, so yeah, you find your wheelhouse and then what works for you. And, and you kind of, you kind of go with that and, and, uh, just see where it takes you. And the more jobs you get, the better you get it. And then, uh, listen to your mentors and people around you. Cause I was surrounded by people like you and, and Kevin McCarthy and, and, uh, and Randy Brown, uh, Christopher Hayes, uh, Bo Weaver, I mean, who are all just really great voice people. And I was this puppy. <laughs> and I was like four years younger than you guys. And you were all like adult, you know. And <laughs> No. <laughs> and I was 21, maybe. And But but it, encouraging, you know, and just, you know, accept honest honest criticism. If people say, no, that's not, that's not really you, get a second opinion. If they both say, no, and you're ugly too, then stop doing that. <laughs> If I was the adult in the room, you were in trouble, Fred. <laughs> Boy, was it the old Rodney Dangerfield thing? I went to a doctor. He said, "You have this," and I said, "I want a second opinion." He goes, "Yeah, you're ugly too." You know. <laughs> so anyway, I had, to, I had to throw it in there since we we're on a, on a bit. But yeah, just tell people to kind of be yourself, and if it's in your heart to do it, then then run with it. But but don't give up until somebody finally. You know, unless you find another line of work that's even more lucrative, just keep hammering away at it and try. Well, you may have been the puppy in the early days, but you turned into the big bad wolf. Uh-huh. I mean, because your voice impersonations are what set the Hudson and Harrigan show apart from every other morning show on the dial. You know, it's interesting now how the niche we fell into doing our show was perfect, perfect timing, because when it ended in 2010, comedy was changed. People don't tell jokes anymore. Nope. They, they they don't really, and we did for like 30 years. And the voice impressions, unless you're Frank Caliendo or things like that, there aren't people that you really uh, iconic voices anymore, like a Jimmy Stewart or or a, a John Wayne or or Topu Chigi or Ed Sullivan. There aren't those iconic voices that, that really shape us much anymore. There's a couple, but they're just not there. It's just a different form of humor now. And we were at the right place at the right time to do exactly what we did. And we were blessed to have the greatest audience in the world to share it with us, man. Well, I guess we should stop horsing around. See what I did there, Fred? Ah! Wilbur. <laughs> Give our love to the prettiest gardener in Colorado County. We'll catch up next week, okay? <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Send us your burning questions and favorite recipes in a private message on our Facebook page, The Outdoor Cooking Show, or visit our website, theoutdoorcookingshow.com. Join us next week for more tasty food and fun over a red-hot grill on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. How's about cooking something up for me?